0: Good morning, everybody. This is rain. I uh, I walked out with an umbrella and in rain, you you get wet. It's things in Southern California we don't normally experience. In fact, I was just talking to Barry right before I walked up here and there's a bunch of umbrellas outside the door and just take a look back there real quick, get it out of the way and we might not see that again in the year. And so uh, we're really glad you're, you're here uh, to worship with us, especially just Uh, In this weather, uh, it's great to to be here as a church. And uh, today we're continuing a message series uh, called Built to Last, which I started last week. Uh, But before I jump into that, I wanted to give you all an update on our uh, Christmas offering. For about uh, six weeks, we've been talking to each of you about opportunities to give to some different ministries uh, locally, uh, regionally, nationally, and also globally. Globally. And through each year through the Christmas offering, we hope to uh, not only bless different ministries, but also help them with the resources so they can continue uh, to reach people um, and really fulfill their the vision that, that God has given them. And so, uh, we've given to uh, Christian Challenge Collegiate Ministry. We've given to the Seventeen Six Network, which is our network of churches. We've given to the Lottie Moon International Missionary Offering to help missionaries throughout. Uh, the world. Uh we've given to some other things and I want to let you know that we have reached our goal. And so up here on the thing, our goal was thirty thousand, and we actually were able to raise thirty six thousand six hundred dollars. Let's give God a hint for that. I, I just wanted to uh thank all of you uh that, that gave to that. And as you look at that number, that really represents lives changed. And so we're giving the money to the ministries and also to the church in the valley, building an expansion fund for our diamond bar campus that they look to get into a more permanent location. Uh, But as you look at that number, that really does represent uh, the generosity uh, of you. And I just wanted to thank you for for your giving to this. And also, uh, this also just represents the challenge that we still have and the vision that we still have to continue to give to the things that really do uh, impact uh, people's lives. And so I just wanted to give you an update on that. Uh, thrilled that we get to bless uh, those ministries and thank you guys for, for partnering uh, with us. And so it's officially wrapped up and we'll be starting to send those funds uh, to those ministries very soon. Uh, like I mentioned, I want to go back to the series and looking at this money and how that impacts eternity. That's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about eternity and how does that make a difference in the here and now of our lives. If you missed last week, I just want to kind of briefly recap uh, what we talked about. And the premise of last week, and we dug into the scriptures and we developed this, was the idea that people live forever. We are eternal beings. And we actually go on into eternity. And because of that, this life is not all that we have. In fact, this life is an opportunity for us to connect to the God of eternity, the God that's always been and will always be. And so in a way, this life is like a dress rehearsal uh, for things to come because that's true. And as you dig in the scriptures, you find that this life not being all there is doesn't take away meaning from this life. It actually adds meaning. The fact that this isn't all there is gives us implications for on the choices we make, the attitudes we choose, the things that we pursue, because our choices right now And what we do every day impact forever. They impact eternity. And I don't know about you, It it, sometimes in the middle of all that I have going on, it's hard to kind of gauge how does eternity and what happens after this life, how how does that kind of impact the, the here and now? And so the goal of this series is to take this idea of eternity and look through that like you would a lens. And as you look through that lens, how does eternity and the fact that there's a life after this one How does that make a difference? And so today we're going to get specific and talk about uh, relationships. But I I quickly want to summarize. And if you did miss the message, you can listen online at churchinthevalley.com and you can click on on messages. Uh, We talked about how forever in the scriptures is described that there's two places that that God has given for forever. And it's eternity with him in in heaven or it's eternity without him separated from him in, in hell. Again, we don't talk about heaven and hell a lot, although uh, people have different notions of that. And that's kind of what we talked about last week. What does the Bible say about heaven and how does that impact us? And then what does the Bible say about hell and how does that impact us? But since this life determines where we end up in eternity, again, what we choose here and now really does matter. And so our goal is to take you on a journey of what the Bible says. Match that with some of maybe some of the common preconceptions that we have in our own life and then decide what what, what really is true and, and what's real and our hope is as you look through this lens of eternity it, it will actually shape and add kind of some different layers to your own thinking maybe some different layers to your own experience And so that's kind of what we're headed uh, in the goal of this series so i want to go back to uh, relationships relationships Uh, have this eternal importance. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to talk about this this scripture in Ecclesiastes, which talks about this tension that we have uh, with eternity. Uh, There's part of us where we may not talk about a lot with people, but we think about what happens after we die. We kind of wonder. uh, We may be fearful of it. We may be excited about it. But wherever we stand, there's this this kind of thinking and, and leaning, and we wonder what really happens after we take our last breath. And the tension is also, well, I just want to live my life and I just want to take care of the thing right before me. And so we live in this like here and now pressure versus what is to come. And that's, that's actually normal. If you've ever filled that tension of this life and the pressure, but then wondering if there's something else, if there's something better, that's actually because we're, we're hardwired to to deal with those tensions. Ecclesiastes talks about that. And this is where I want to start. This is like the helpful perspective, big picture. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes three. It says he that's talking about God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Uh, This is part of the wisdom literature in the scriptures, which is wisdom about how life works. And this is written by Solomon who basically was the wealthiest and most successful man of his day. And he had all the resources to gauge how to find the good life. And he dove in all sorts of experiences. He pursued all sorts of pursuits. And he's trying to figure out how do you actually live the best life. And what he came to is this tension that while you want to, the second half, be joyful and to experience goodness, we also have this eternity that's written into our hearts And that's the longing that we have, this longing for something better, this, this idea of something beyond the here and now. So that's the first tension. We have eternity that's written in our hearts because God created us. That's why relationships are so important, because he made us in his image. We are like him. And since he's an eternal God, we have this kind of eternity that's written into us. But we also have this life and we look around and we figure out, is this it? Is this all that we have? And. There's this, this tension. So our goal in this series is to take that tension and talk about how can eternity be written in our hearts actually help us? And how can that be something that we don't have to just be frustrated by, but actually experience blessing in, in the here and now? And so I want to shift gears to the to the relationships because we actually can't experience a good life an enjoyable life without people. That's just the reality. The reason is, is because we were made to live forever. And so this significance on relationships is, is real. And, and we find this all the time. If you've read the scriptures much or if you've been to church much, you, you've maybe heard a lot of sermons or you've read a lot of verses related to kind of how to treat other people and what it should look like in our relationships. That, that's important. Because the Bible actually has very specific things on how to treat each other. That's because God made us as these eternal beings and our relationships have significance. And the fact of how this interacts with eternity is relationships have this tremendous value because we were made to live forever. That's a central truth in the scriptures. Relationships have this significance because we were made to live forever. So that's kind of the connection to to what we talked about last week. And since we're made to live forever... All of life can kind of come together for us, but if our relationships are strained or broken or lacking, we actually feel a void in us. Your, your bank account can be full. Uh, you can have the most successful job and everything can be going well for you. You can even have tremendous health. But if you don't have good relationships... The joy of life actually escapes us. And so relationships, the reason I'm starting here is it's, it's so crucial. Eternity and relationships are connected because how God made us. Like I mentioned, he made us eternal beings and he's written eternity in our hearts. And you can find our significance because of what God has commanded uh, people to do with their life. In the scriptures, God's commands to people are set apart from anything he's told anyone else. Like people are, are it. They're the most important. They're more important than the animals. We're supposed to rule over them. But in the creation, he actually made it for us to enjoy. And so you see, God God elevated us above everything else he created. And we're made in his image and nothing else is. And so there's the significance of this relationship. How we treat each other and how we view God impacts every aspect of our life. And so I want to kind of talk about how eternity and relationships are connected since eternity is written in our hearts how does that look when when we have the right view of eternity and then what happens when we we don't have the right view of eternity how does that impact our relationships so i actually want to kind of go negative first if you're that kind of i always like let's get the bad news first so we're going to start negative okay we're going to look at what happens when we have the wrong perspective of eternity the wrong perspective could be it's not real to us or we don't think there is eternity or whatever it may be. But, but what happens when our view is, is not correct? And I want to start with this, this premise that our relationships erode over time because we suffer from eternity amnesia. That is that eternity doesn't matter. OK, but when eternity doesn't matter, our relationships actually feel the strain of that. I've been reading a book by Paul Tripp, uh, who's, who's a great author, he, he's a great thinker, and a people helper. And he wrote this book called Forever, and he, this is the first time I've heard this, this phrase coined, this, this eternity amnesia. And what he's saying is, is if, if we live this life without eternity in view, every aspect of our life feels the strain of that, because we weren't made for this to be all there is. Kind of what I talked about last week. This life cannot be all there is. But if we think this life is all there is, it actually damages our relationships. And he talks about eternity amnesia in three ways. Uh, the first way is that it actually causes us to have a self oriented focus, which all of life has me in the middle of it. Like I gauge everything from how it's good for me or beneficial for me, how it makes me look. I'm I'm the middle of my universe. With eternity in view, you realize that there's actually a God out there that's created me. And if my life's going on forever, I need to make sure I'm living it in line with him. So your center of your universe becomes different when you look at eternity and what God's created. Uh, It also causes us this eternity amnesia, a need to control. And then thirdly, it also makes us place unrealistic expectations. So that's this idea of you, you forget that eternity is real or you don't think about it and it doesn't impact into this life. When that happens, all these things trickle down into how we treat each other. And I kind of want to talk about that uh, a little bit. Uh, When we are self-oriented, we tend to devalue others because if eternity is not real and this life is all there is, then people just exist to give me what I want. Cause that's the meaning. That's it. And so I'm going to treat them as people that need to meet my needs. And that leads to us wanting to control them because if they're giving me meaning or if they're giving me value or if they're wanting, you know, if they're the only people that can meet my needs because this life is all there is, then I'm really going to want people to, to do what, what I want. And when they don't do what I want, that's going to really impact the way I treat them and how I relate to them in the future. And so all of this, this idea, it's, it's real. And I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like somebody just had a plan for your life? Like you're like, they really, I feel like they're really wanting me to do something and I don't really want to do it. And maybe it was like your parents or maybe it was a roommate. Maybe it was a friend and sometimes it's direct, like they want me to do something I don't want to do it. Sometimes it's passive aggressive, like they're not really saying what they want, but I feel this expectation. But if you've ever felt controlled, does that impact you? It does me. Like, wait a second, are you just, are you winding up this and you just want me to walk in a certain way? Like, I'm not a doll, don't try to control me. But that, that's what we feel like. On the other side of that, have you ever tried to control somebody else? You know, you, you really want them to do something, and I've got to figure out a way f- to make them do it. If you're a parent, you may have felt that with your kids. Again, friends or roommates. But this, this need to control is, is, is real in us. We want people to do what we want them to do. And when they don't do it, we can get upset. And so if you look at the root of our problems relationally, think of like your own relationships when there's been strain and when there's been tension. I think you'll find expectations there, control, selfishness. Those are the roots of problems in our relationships. And it's actually not just haphazard, like, that's interesting. How come all relationships are like, well, it's because eternity is written in our hearts and instead of turning to God to meet our needs, we actually look to other people. That's one of the biggest implications of lacking this, this eternity amnesia is we tend to look at people as meeting my needs. And I mentioned it, but eternity amnesia, if it c- continues to forget forever, to forget eternity, to not think about it, for it not to have implications in our relationships, it actually does cause us to place these unrealistic expectations. This, this is what it looks like. I talked about this last week a little bit, but if there's no forever and God's not going to make things right, then what hope do we have? If there's no forever and God cannot help us, then people do become a means to our ends. We don't tend to think about this, but this idea of God and how he's going to wrap up history and his role in eternity, it impacts everything. So we need to think about it because it actually adds or takes away the meaning to the very relationships uh, we experience. Uh, This is what it looks like usually when we we kind of look at people to meet our needs instead of God. We enter into a relationship, and this is what we, we ask. And we don't usually say this, but see if you can identify with any of these. What will this person do for me? You know, we we just interact with somebody and it could be somebody we love very deeply. But in a relationship, most of the time what we're wondering is, what can this person do for me? How are they going to help me? Second question, how will they meet my needs? How will they meet my needs? What can they do for me? How can they meet my needs? And then a third thing we think about is, how can this person add value to me and to what I want? Like, How are they going to actually help complete some of the things that I'm really looking for? Now, I don't know about you, but I've actually thought about this a lot. And I've thought these questions. And oftentimes, like, I don't stop to figure out why I'm frustrated. But if you look at frustration in your relationships, oftentimes it's because you have needs that are not met. And those could be legitimate needs. Like, if you're a kid and you're living at home, like, it's helpful if your parents have food for you to eat. Okay? I'm not saying, like, there's no needs that people can't meet, but there's a sense in which our value and meaning, when they start coming from people, we, we run into a lot of problems. And so these these expectations, they build and they build, and our relationships erode over time. I want to connect this to kind of how things ended up this way, okay? And I want to show an image on the screen. It's called the, the three circles. And I showed a video of this in December, but this is a, like, really, 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 really brief snapshot of the Bible story. Okay. So in a message, when I'm talking about eternity and relationships and the problems and where we end up, where we are and expectations, it's difficult to kind of summarize what the Bible says, but through this picture, I want to just walk you through it. Our goal is for if there's questions for you to be able to ask them and get more clarity and to also investigate further if you're not a Christian specifically, but I I want to kind of walk through the the Bible's message of eternity and, and connect some dots, okay? So God's perfect design is that we were meant to live forever from the beginning. He didn't just, like, think about it afterwards and then just insert an eternity chip, okay? From the beginning, God wanted to create people so that they would live forever. That means no death from the beginning. And life was perfect in the first couple, Adam and Eve. There was no sin, there was no sickness, and there was no death. And that was God's perfect design. So from the beginning, the forever God of eternity created us to experience forever. That's why this is so important. The reason it's written in our hearts, because it goes back to his perfect design. Now you see that arrow on the top? That's where it all went wrong. That's sin. And in Genesis in the biblical account, that came from Adam and Eve. They were in this perfect world in the Garden of Eden, in a relationship with God in complete unity and with each other. And there were no problems. But they decided that the boundaries God put on them were limiting what they wanted. And ultimately they sinned and they were tempted by Satan. So they chose to to kind of go outside of God's perfect design and, and sin. And it's really easy for us, like Adam and Eve, I, I've thought about this ever since I was young, and I started hearing stories like, man, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have done that. You ever thought about that? Like, there's just times you're like, Adam and Eve, why'd you ruin it for all of us? And then I realized, like, I'm a sinner. And I would have done the same thing. And there's a part of it's perfect design, but we we broke out of the boundaries that God placed on us. We wanted to be independent. And so that sin that Adam and Eve made connects to us. Because they sinned, we've sinned. And we would have sinned if we were there too. And so we're all under this this brokenness of sin, and that's the next circle, this brokenness. And that is the perfect design, because of sin, is now broken. So death actually entered. And in the Bible, the wages of sin is death. Not only was life going to end on this earth, But death is the ultimate judgment of God. Since God is righteous and he is just, the punishment of sin is death. And that death is represented in this separation. So when I talk about hell, it's come from that top arrow. That's where the brokenness is. Ultimately, we can be separated from the God of forever because of our sin. And those arrows that point outward from the brokenness, Those are the ways that we look to try to mend our brokenness. Most of the time we don't go back to God's perfect design. And the way this has implications for today is one of those arrows is people. We're broken because of sin. And the perfect design is now shattered. And there's disappointment, there's frustration, there's longings that we can't find. And what do we do? We take one of those pursuits and we go to people In the brokenness. We come to people and we say, you fix it. You fix it. You fix it. I don't want to leave anyone out. OK, <laughs> right. That, that's what we do. But what we don't realize oftentimes when we want to control, and we put this expectations. It's not just that we're, you know, bad people who have bad relationships. It's that we have sinned and we are marred by sin and death. The hope we had is gone. So one of those arrows is people. Another arrow is money, success, passions we want to find, feeling good. Those are all the arrows that we come and we say fix it we're shattered and broken and fix it but what you find in the scripture is nothing outside of god's perfect design fixes it nobody can fix it you can have the best parent the best friend the best leader they cannot fix it they cannot fix your brokenness the only person that can is god's son jesus And so you have to choose the outward pursuits, and you find in life, you you come up empty. One of the best relationships you can find with somebody who has had a really rough life that's found Jesus. Because what you find is they have lived every arrow to try to fix it, and it's not worked. It's one of the best conversations you can have, because they've lived it, and they've realized none of these can fix it. And so they come back to the only one that can, and that is Jesus. And a Christian is someone who's turned and believes that there is no other person or thing that can fix my sin problem except Jesus. And again, the penalty of sin is what? Death. And what did Jesus do? He died. And what did he died for? He died for me and you and for the sin. So because God is just and righteous, and the penalty of sin is death. Jesus came to die in our place. So when we turn and believe that that is true, and you realize that the only way I can be fixed and go back to the design for which God made me, it's only through Jesus. And a Christian is somebody who said, I cannot fix me. No one else can fix me. Only God can fix me through Jesus. And as a church, our goal is to help people who are pursuing all the other arrows to realize that it does not work. And that doesn't happen by somebody speaking a sermon. It happens by the lives that we live. Because what we're saying is, by me turning and believing and finding Jesus, I can grow. And I can experience the life that God wants me to have here and now, which extends into eternity so again, that's just a little snippet of really what the scripture calls redemption. That's the redemption story. Perfect design, shattered, broken. You can't fix it except through Jesus. And that's why we exist as a church. That's the news we want everyone to know. But what happens is, again and again, we forget that that is true. So the God who gave us Jesus now connects us back to him and forever. and So we don't need to place the void that we experience on other people. Because the God of eternity through Jesus Christ has now filled that void. And that's why marriages can actually be better. Because if you have two married people that realize they're not what's going to make each other happy, that actually can be a healthy marriage. That's why friendships, Christian friendships, are better than any other friendship. Because when you have two people that are friends that realize the other person cannot make them happy, that can be a healthy friendship. You see, and it can go on and on and on and on. And that, that can sound kind of elite, right? And that could, can kind of sound like, well, how, what? how can that be? Well, it's because. No other arrow fix the brokenness. This is true. It's real. And it's experienced by us. And so when we look at others realizing that that is not my ultimate happiness, they're not my ultimate value, what they think of me is not my identity, how they treat me is not my ultimate meaning in life, relationships can actually be freeing again god gives us this value romans 5 8 describes this love of jesus but god shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us so we were sinners that means me and you we're all sinners but christ died and the reason he did is because of his love And it's because of that love that our relationships can be different. Does this make sense? Do I need to change my mic? Because this kind of scaring me every time. Here, let me, let me switch here. Check. It's like I can't, I can't hold. It's like I just got to turn it. Speaking of brokenness, <laughs> about to experience that. But, um, so Romans 5.8, this is, this is a scripture which, which it kind of turns the corner. Since people can't give us our ultimate value and we can't find our meaning in them, then, then we need someone else. And that's where Jesus Christ came in. And that's the description and the picture of God's love. And so I, I want to shift gears. So I, I've given you kind of perspective of kind of why we've ended up here in our relationships. And I want to kind of turn the corner and, well, how does then a relationship with Jesus and connecting to the God of forever, how does that make a difference? And that's where I want to spend the rest of our time. And I'm going to go really quickly. I encourage you, and this is true every week. I talk about a lot of verses sometimes and ideas, and it's like the tip of the iceberg. The Christian life and really getting to know God – is something that you have to do on your own. And so I encourage you, if, if I read a verse and it, like, strikes your interest, I, I encourage you to kind of ask more questions about that. Read more about that. Read the context, like what the verses before, what were the verses after. Begin to chew on the Bible. Like, not really, but meditate on it, okay? Uh, that will actually help you get to know God. And so this is kind of how this is going to be. This is going to be kind of quick, okay? But I I want to kind of talk about how God's love is what we need to be joyful and do good. So how does God's love make an impact? It allows us to do good to others. Because of our brokenness, again, I can't treat you the right way, ultimately. I don't have it within myself. I'm selfish. I want to control and have expectations but once you become a christian god begins to live inside you through the holy spirit and there's a battle that still exists that will until you take your last breath but you now begin to experience god's love and you can extend that to others so the god of forever allows us to connect back to him through jesus christ and we now can rely on his resources and the main foundation of all of that is love. And that's where I want to spend the rest of the time. So how do we kind of bring this lens of eternity back in our relationships? It's through love. Now that is such a popular word in our culture. And it has been throughout hundreds of years. Like, lo- lo- just it's, you just got to love each other. You just got to love the earth and love one another. And it's great and it sounds... Beautiful. And it's actually rooted in the truth, but it's become so vague. And so I want to unvague it. <laughs> See, it's the mic problem here. Okay, so, so let's, let's get specific. So if you want to kind of experience the kind of relationships that God wants to have, it comes through this relationship with Jesus Christ where we experience his love. And then we can actually have an enjoyable atmosphere And that comes in three ways. The first is, we can begin to do loving things to those around us. 1 Corinthians 13, if you've not read this in a while, or if you've never read it, I encourage you to read this. This is a great chapter in the Bible, in the New Testament, written on love. And it's used in lots of weddings, it's Facebook memes, I mean, it's posted, it goes viral all the time. But dude, it's heavy. It's got so many implications for how to treat each other, and it's not romantic-feeling, ooey-gooey love. It's actually God's love. So when people talk about this verse, it has to be God's love. It's no other love because it's sacrificial love found in the sending of his son Jesus, found in the dying of the cross of Jesus, found in the rising from the dead of Jesus. That's the love, okay? And so 1 Corinthians 13, I encourage you to read it, but this is just a snippet. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. How many of you heard that before? You ever been to a wedding? You've heard that? Now hear me. I'm not saying, like, they shouldn't be at weddings. I mean, that's actually, that's good. But we, we've heard it before, but this is actually the difference that a relationship with God makes, is that we can experience this kind of love with each other. And I just want to kind of break it down really, really quickly. So love bears and endures. I was just thinking about that. This is what it means. When we have God's love and we realize that we don't have to get our value and meaning from others, we don't have to bail on people. Usually, you don't meet my needs, you don't do what I want, I'm done. I'm done with you. With God's love, you don't do that. Because it bears and it endures. So you don't, you don't bail on people. The enduring there is, is patient. Um, you, you actually can be patient with people. And patient can sometimes be this neutral thing. But it's actually when people are irritating and frustrating you. And when they maybe do things again and again, you, you actually bear with them. You hang in there. Because you realize that you actually do the same things. Now, it doesn't mean that you continue to partner with, you know, untrustworthy people. But it doesn't mean we cut people a lot more slack than we think we need to. So think about that. Who in your life right now could you bear and endure with? That's what God's love wants you to ask, okay? Uh, Love, believes and hopes. Uh, This is you think the best of people. When somebody does something and you didn't like it, you actually think the best instead of the worst. There's times in my house I go and, and one of my kids does something and it like messes up my orderly little world, which isn't orderly at all, but in my head it seems like it is. And I think oftentimes like they did that to just mess with me. And I, I take it personally. If you've ever taken something personally and you can't let it go, like oftentimes like there's a lack of love there. And so instead of thinking the worst that they did that to get to me, they actually might have just done it without thinking about you at all. But again, because we're so self oriented, we can't can't fathom that for better or worse. So love believes and hopes you, you think the best and you act with goodwill towards people, not resentment. So practically you you really actually work on not being a cynic. I don't know about you, social media has not helped me in that way. I read Facebook and Twitter, and through comparison or just being angry at what people say or do, I just get to the point where I sometimes can just lack all goodwill. Like recently, because of events in our country. Like you want to see like this be real? Like love or not? You, you see it on social media. It's like it's a, it magnifies this tension. Okay, so that, that's the, the doing loving things. I want to go on to, to saying loving things. You actually can't talk about having relationships that last without talking about words. We all know this. Words hurt. They can cut us, and they can also encourage us. They can give life, and they give death. Is like a picture of that. They, they just build people up or, or they tear them down. And the Bible, again, is very specific on how our words can be a help to others. So when you look at people through the lens of eternity, realizing that they have significance because God made them and they're made in his image, you do not say words to people that tears down who they are and how God made them. You know, they're made in his image. Now, it doesn't mean that we just agree with everything that they do. But we say things in, in a loving way. And Proverbs 12 says this, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, I was thinking in my own life, what are some ways that my words are reckless? Here were some things. Uh, speaking without thinking. Have you ever spoken something and it came out of your mouth, you heard it and you thought, "Oh oh I know I have. That's reckless. Because you speak without thinking how that's going to land. And you're just hoping as it's in the air, about to hit their eardrums, that it's going to not be as bad as it sounds. But oftentimes it is. That's reckless. Have you ever gossiped? It's getting real. Right? Yeah. You know, you just somebody did something, and it's bothering you. And it kind of goes back to that, like, you're trying to bear, you're trying to endure, you're trying to be patient, you're trying to think the best, and then you see someone else and you just want to tell them what this other person did. But that's reckless. In fact, the strongest warnings in the New Testament are to to people who gossip within the church. Because what happens is it's just like fires and sparks. The whole thing can be set ablaze. But it happens through words. So gossiping is reckless, speaking without thinking is reckless. Have you ever promoted yourself at the expense of someone else? And it may be calculated or it may not. You may not even thought about it. But you put yourself in a position by what you say makes you look good and it makes someone else look bad or dumb. I've done that. When you do that, you actually take away from the image that God's created them in. You're belittling them. And if somebody's ever done that to you, it's actually hard to let that go. But when you look through this lens of eternity, you realize that, God, people matter. How I treat them matters. You've made them. They have significance. And so I pray oftentimes as I'm relating to people, God, help me to say things that are pleasing to you and then helpful to others. And I mess up all the time. I say things, and I think I shouldn't have said that. I couldn't have an opportunity to help, and instead I, I I didn't. So I go back to God, and I just I ask for forgiveness. I clear it up with people, and I just ask God to, to help me just be loving like he is and just continue to rely on his spirit. Okay, so that's doing loving things, saying loving things. And the last is choosing a loving attitude. This is uh, – so far I've been talking about actions – what you do and what you say. In the scripture, you actually, you actually find that love begins in our head with what we think. And it actually comes from our heart, what we value. And Jesus came on this earth to kind of connect that dot. And he always raised the bar of what it meant to love people and love others. And so when he came, he always said, you know, you've heard that is written. written. So he kept kind of saying, you've, this is the law. This is the law. This is the law. But I say to you. And he kind of gave them another thing to think about, which was God's intent of the law, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to treat people. And in this one instance, he has this exchange of the attitudes that we have towards people. And, and he gives this chilling remark, and I want to read this. It's in Matthew 5. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. This is back to the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. And if you do, there's going to be punishment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So if you're angry and that anger is diminishing the person you're angry to, you're you're liable to the same judgment. Then he goes on. He says whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And that idea of you fool is, is the identity and the meaning of somebody. If you approach somebody and in your heart you think you are nothing, if you treat somebody like that, and you think they have no value, Jesus is saying, even if nothing comes out of your mouth, you're liable to judgment. What he's saying is you deserve hell because that's sin, just like any other sin. The good news is, in our brokenness and in our sin, we still can find hope through Jesus Christ. And so this, this judgment is awaiting all of us. But through Jesus, if we decide to follow him now, we can escape it. And so that's, it. kind of goes back to that original picture of how God created things to be. So that's just a little snapshot. I encourage you to kind of think about that. Uh, I just want to close with some just questions. I don't even think they're on the screen. But what's, what's the atmosphere of your relationships right now? As the band comes up, I'm going to wrap up. But what's the atmosphere of your relationships right now? And uh, is there some erosion? Is there just – you feel kind of this, this tension? And just ask God to show you, like, is there some expectations? Is there some control? Is there some things that you're looking to people that only God can give? Like your meaning, your value, ultimately your needs. And so I just want you to, to think through that. And then there's some next steps that you can take. Uh, today as well, and those are on your connection card. So, if everyone can pull out your connection card and finish filling that out, which John had you begin, even if you filled one of these out every week, I encourage you to do that again right now. Finish filling that out, and on the back are some next steps that you can take. Uh, the first one, uh, this is like a ongoing next step that we have a lot of times, but this is the the step that that you can take if you're interested in becoming a Christian. There's actually kind of not this clear-cut way of you expressing that you want to become a Christian. Like if you've ever wondered how do I do that or how do I ask more questions or how do I kind of figure out what that means, Uh, if you check this box uh, right here on the, the top here, for the first time I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow him as Lord, you're making a decision. And that decision is to become a Christian. But we realize that you might not know what that means. So if you check that, you're giving us permission to follow up with you and to send you some information so you can begin to look, figure out what that looks like. Okay, so if you ever wondered about that? If you check that, that's kind of the first step for you to become a Christian. And as a church, we want to help you do that. Okay? Uh, the second next step is read through 1 Corinthians 13, which I kind of encourage you to do. Ask God for insight on this kind of love that, that he can give to us. And then the third is identify a relationship where you can work to create an enjoyable atmosphere. Just ask God to show you, like where some tension points are. If somebody specific comes to mind, just ask God to show you that person. And begin, God, help me to see them as you've created them. How to begin to to do loving things towards them. God, help me to say loving things. And help me to choose a loving attitude. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song back to God as we uh, receive our offering. Let's pray. God, you are are perfect in every way, and for every problem, you have a solution. And ultimately, that goes back to the beginning. Even though we are sinners, we don't have to experience death. And even though we want people to give us meaning, there's another way, and you've even provided that. So thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to fill the void of eternity and forever that, that we long for. Thank you for mending us and our sin that even though there's still frustration and and we're not perfect, uh, you do good. And you actually bring joy into our our lives. So God, I, I just pray for anyone that's in the middle of a broken relationship this morning. Anyone that's discouraged, feeling overwhelmed by the strain of a relationship. God, will you give them hope and Steps that they can take to begin to transfer your love to those that they relate to. So we ask this in the help of your son, Jesus. Amen.